it's almost like a sort of biological lottery of which yeah. eggs and sperm happen to come together in any one cycle and whether there's a good one. I'm Chris Lawson. In 2015, I started my journey into the world of IVF. Along the way, there was heartache, pain, wacky diets, loss of faith, and a lot of needles. It's a roller coaster ride at the best of times, and as I sat in the fertility clinic waiting room, many times alone with my thoughts, I realised that men don't talk about fertility much. That's why I decided to start up this podcast, IVF Dad. This is my story, and it features some of the experts we met along the way, complete with advice, support, and money-saving tips. Episode 4, Fertility Bingo and Roulette with Our Life Savings. So we're back in the consulting room again, going through the results with Dr. Taylor. The HIV, hepatitis was clear, so we're focusing on the core fertility issues. Basically, the reason why we weren't conceiving naturally was down to a bit of me and a bit of Trish. And if I'm honest, that helped. We would have dealt with it if it was 100% one and not the other, because we committed to that, but it was easier, I'm not going to lie. Yep, have that conversation up front. How are you going to deal with this, honestly? How do you deal with decision-making and deal with bad news? How do we communicate? And how do we share information, feelings, not just thoughts? Okay, it sounds forced and like a management training course, but trust me, it saves time, energy, stress, and recrimination in the long run. And even if you do do it, you will still be wishing you'd written it down when the shit hits the fan and you can hold it up in relationship court around the kitchen table. But of course, theoretically, Trish and myself, we could still conceive. It's just the chances are a lot lower. And if we really want to do this before Trish's egg supply and quality starts rolling downhill fast, which it inevitably does with age, then we had better act fast. In fact, Trish had age-defying egg supply, and that sounded amazing. And we were lucky, because 40% of patients have a significantly reduced supply. And there are women whose ovaries aren't in good shape. And again, there are 25% of fertility issues that can't be explained. And those couples will sadly be moving straight down the snakes and ladders and finding themselves at the egg donation of a root store. We weren't at this point yet, but we were excited actually to find out what happened next. In short, it was more tests, but we were now given some recommendations as to what to do as well. Now IVF, I basically thought there was one type of IVF and how wrong (laughs) could I be? So excuse me if I'm teaching you what you've already Googled, but let's look at that in more detail. So the Glastonbury headliner of infertility is IVF, in vitro fertilization. Been around since the 70s, 8 million births as a result, and the pioneers were Patrick Steptoe and Robert Edwards. In the supporting headliner slot, and the ones to watch next year, becoming increasingly popular, is ICSI. More of that in a minute. On the other stage, is a lineup of some new acts and some classics that have been around for years. Surgical procedures and drugs to solve specific issues as part of a journey. And on the alternative stage, somewhere out on the healing fields, is a range of techniques such as natural IVF, which involves no fertility drugs, or indeed 
a range of fertility treatments involving no drugs at all. And we will come back to that at a later episode. And remember, this is a big festival. Eight million babies born via IVF. And all we want is one more. That's it. Just one more baby to add on to that list with the name Lawson on it. Surely that's not so difficult. Those percents are rattling round my head. But now it's time for Dr. Taylor to recommend what to do. So she recommends something called ICSI, intracytoplasmic sperm injection. It's a specialist form of IVF and it's used primarily for treatment of male factor infertility. And it basically involves injection of a single sperm directly into a mature egg. And it's a good workaround for imperfect sperm. They can find the good ones, mix them with Trish's eggs. For Trish, they recommend egg extraction, some drug treatment to stimulate growth. That's classic IVF treatment. And once fertilized, the egg is then referred to as an embryo, and the embryo is grown in a lab for one to five days before being transferred to the woman's uterus. Dead easy. I'm happy with that. It looks like minimum risk. Where do I sign? Now, there is a small matter of cost. Dr. Taylor gives us a price list and outlines at a top level what we are expecting, but diplomatically says we can talk through any of the costs to understand them in more detail. Very wise. Now, I'm used to working in marketing, and we talk about ROI a lot, return on investment. You put money in, and you assess what return you're going to get, and then you wait for it to materialise. That's not what this is. This is roulette in some ways. This is about odds or luck or a bit of both. There are no guarantees that the outcome is going to reflect the percentage chance. You can bet on putting one embryo back in at a time, which is more cost-effective, doubles your chances of success over time, but carries more risk, which we will talk about later on. Or you can hedge your bets and get your embryo's DNA tested before putting them back in, which gives you greater certainty as whether they're likely to work or not and results in a better positive outcome, but carries a higher risk and a higher price tag as well. Again, I'm going to get an expert to talk through that. My point being is that if you were thinking like I did, that you could have a nice, simple spreadsheet which works out what you need to do and when it will happen by and how much it will cost, then think again. Cost is only one element here. Risk, speed, certainty, and of course, most importantly, medical judgment. It's also a bit like getting married. You'd be amazed by the extras that you need or end up thinking you need. And sometimes you can lose sight of the fact of what you're trying to achieve and what's really important. I'll break down the exact cost later on. But when I did my initial research, I saw a lot of packages in some hospitals. The list of pricing was a bit more like an a la carte. And I preferred that in a way, as we just paid for what we needed. But there is no getting around it. This is expensive. And compromises on other parts of your life will have to be made. What amazed me was that one of the most expensive parts was the drugs, not the procedures. Handing over £400 for a course of drugs is not something most people do. And do you know what? There's a lot of advice out there, online, and there's always the danger that you're going to be upsold. 
Alison was clear about the pros and cons, and if she could suggest a lower cost approach, then she would. But again, there's no certainties. The judgment is being put very firmly in your hands to decide what you want to do and what isn't. Where I felt most confused about was consent. We must have been given our signatures at least 20 times. Do you consent for Trish to use your sperm if you die? Yes. Do you consent for your failed embryos to be used for research purposes? Yes. Do you agree for your potential embryos to be kept in the freezer for three, five, ten years? Do you consent for us to make any decisions about which are the right embryos to use? You get the picture. I think if we had to do it once, that would be okay. But every time it felt that the consent had to be renewed. It's hard to explain, but I didn't want small print. I didn't want a contract, I wanted a baby, and it just brought you back to earth that this was a process, a medical process, but nonetheless a transaction with terms and condition, risks and outcome. It's partly because IVF treatment in the UK is very well regulated and falls under the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Act. And the consent forms are often based around a woman giving consent to what happens to her eggs. And similarly, the man has to consent to his sperm being used to fertilise either his partner's eggs or someone else's eggs, and then what can happen to those embryos. And I always think a difficult thing for couples to have to even start thinking about, which they've probably never thought about before, is if they've got frozen embryos, what might happen if something happens to one of them? Mm. If, worst case scenario, one of them were to die or become mentally incapacitated so they can't give consent to what might happen to those eggs or sperm or embryos that's stored in the unit. Anyway, we signed. I mean, what was the alternative? So we're going to take a break here. Let's talk about some money-saving tips. Sperm can be improved, so do what you can. Take the vitamins, take the advice. And there are supplements that are expensive, and there are five different brands where some people will tell you that it makes a massive difference and some people will tell you that the brand makes no difference. You can get the majority of the test done via the NHS, even if you're being treated privately. That can save upwards of £500. Ask nicely, as different surgeries have different approaches. I'll let Alison give her verdict on this. How do you manage the cost conversation? With difficulty. (laughs) I mean, we have to obviously make people aware of what the cost is going to be. So I will, uh, if we're planning a treatment cycle, I will normally go through the cost sheet, point out the bits that are relevant to the particular treatment that's Uh, we've been talking about um, if it's IVF we'll have to be talking about the cost of the treatment cycle and then what's not included in that and give an idea about the cost of the drugs and any of the blood tests that might be needed on top. It it is difficult because I always feel acutely aware of um, quite how much of a big financial um, burden it is for couples. I would say if it's possible to get some of the initial investigations done, simple things like thyroid blood tests, progesterone, hormone blood tests and things through the GP, then that's a helpful start. Actually, a lot of NHS clinics offer good fertility investigation 
clinics where a lot of the basic investigations can be done. The challenge at the moment in particular, though, of course, is um, the pressure on the NHS and sometimes people are struggling to get appointments and having to wait quite a long time. And this is such a time-sensitive area that then sometimes they will think about coming to do some of that and fund it themselves. Check when buying the drugs whether your local pharmacy can buy them in. So when you get a prescription, it doesn't have to necessarily be used in, in one place if it's a private prescription you're perfectly welcome to go off to try other pharmacies, supermarket pharmacies or the hospital pharmacy and get a quote from them and see how it compares. Again, I was pleased that the list of pharmacy talked to us about this rather than just taking our money and keeping quiet. Maximise your chances of it working by staying calm. There's actually not much scientific evidence around that, but hey, it's better than the alternative. Plan the tests because if you need some, then they won't proceed without them. So if you're caught short and you need to use their testing services, kiss goodbye to another 50 quid. Some tests have renewal dates, and if you're in for the long haul, you're going to need them. So keep a check on when they expire. Get yourself a spreadsheet and chuck it on your Amex or card of choice. £20,000 can give you a lot of air miles, and on Amex, a companion voucher. And trust me, you're going to need a holiday once the bills come in. Yes, and nothing's black and white, and it's all balance of probabilities and, and massive uncertainties. And I feel for I feel for patients, for couples and individuals going through this whole process because I think some of the uncertainties and the sort of huge biological just variability in response to stimulation, in fertilisation, in embryo development that happens, not just from one individual to another, but also for the same individuals or same couples, from one cycle to another, mm. there can be big swings up and down. And, and with all the, the, the knowledge that we have, we still have only a limited, to a limited degree, can we control any of that, actually? Yeah. We are still very much dependent on that, the... It's almost like a sort of biological lottery of which yeah. eggs and sperm happen to come together in any one cycle and whether there's a good one amongst that group of embryos. And look, I'm conscious this is a very UK-focused approach. And if you're across the pond and it's a different ball game, I'm starting to see more crowdfunders where people are asking for donations. And why not? This is life-changing stuff. OK, back to the story. So we're sat there thinking, how much do you spend to get to a dream? And do you stick rigidly to a budget? Or do you stay at it until you win? It is such a gamble. We've thought about this long and hard and undoubtedly made sacrifices. And I know of many people who have made a lot of sacrifices and some lead to success and some don't. But I've always been of a mindset that if you don't try, you don't know. When we were signing away on those consent forms, I missed the one that said, do you consent to prioritise and pay for this above everything else? I suppose we just had to see it as an adventure, like travelling or getting married, an expense that you have to be prepared for as the experience outweighs the cost. And you set a budget, but there might have to be some flex in that, depending what happens. At this point, we were convinced that it was worth it. 
Next episode, I talk about the five mistakes you can make whilst injecting your partner with a syringe and why our first round led us straight to A&E, not the fertility clinic. Thank you for listening. This has been IVF Dad. I started this podcast to provide support during the lonely fertility journey and ensure others didn't suffer in silence. So please do share it with anyone it can help. Log on to ivfdad.com. I would love to hear from you and hear your stories. For future episodes, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, etc. Follow us on Insta and Twitter at ivfdadpodcast. And on the website, check out the email and the show notes. There's some great links, advice and money-saving tips. Stay healthy, stay positive, And remember, it only takes one.